Welcome back to another edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans weekly news podcast where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host and co-producer, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our co-producer, Haley Marks. On today's episode, we have three special guests. We will be chatting with Daily Iowan news reporters Sabina Martin and Mary Hartel. We will also check in with Sarah Watson, the Daily Iowan's executive editor, who wrote a story this week about students rolling up their sleeves and getting the COVID-19 vaccination. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, February 5th edition of On the Record. I'm Haley Marks, On the Record's co-producer, and here are this week's headlines. On Wednesday, the Daily Iowan reported 12 new cases of COVID-19 on the University of Iowa's campus. As of February 3rd, six additional students and six employees self-reported cases of COVID since Monday, February 1st. As of Wednesday, there have been 3,324 positive coronavirus cases since students returned to campus for the fall semester in August. The semester formally began on Monday, January 25th. On Monday's print edition, the DI published a story about University of Iowa dental students and the Iowa Freedom Writers calling for improved diversity, equity, and inclusion in the College of Dentistry during a protest in March on the afternoon of January 29th. Students, faculty, staff, and community members marched from the old Capitol building of the UI College of Dentistry in 25-degree weather to share and listen to personal experiences at the college. Iowa City's State of Black History Month events and celebrations are moving mostly online this year, with the city finding creative ways to celebrate the achievements of Black Islands and Americans. Mayor Bruce Teague said all but one event will be hosted virtually to ensure the health and safety of community members while they celebrate Black history. With concerns surrounding the pandemic and fewer classes being offered in person than in a typical semester, many students have canceled their residence hall housing contracts across all three major universities in the state of Iowa this academic year. In the fall semester alone, 17% of students at the UI canceled their contracts, a 14% increase in cancellations. Two new liberals housed the Wesley Center in Iowa City are creating space for LGBTQ and radical literature to be readily available to their community. Both of the libraries are led by University of Iowa students. The Iowa Department of Public Health confirmed on Monday that three cases of the United Kingdom's COVID-19 variant were identified in Iowa. Two of the three cases were found in Johnson County. On Tuesday, the DI reported on Iowa City parents' mixed reactions to Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds signing a bill that requires schools to offer a fully in-person learning option. The Iowa Supreme Court will hear arguments on whether the State Board of Regents is allowed to block State Auditor's Office subpoena for financial records of the University of Iowa's $1.1 billion public and private partnership dollar. Partnership. State Auditor Rob Sand issued a subpoena in January 2020, intending to learn the identities of investors in the deal and received other documentation. The UI announced on Wednesday it will be moving its Spring 2021 commencement virtual due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It is the third graduation ceremony that has been moved online in the wake of the pandemic. In the freezing hours after a blizzard, the employees of Medellin Landscape Solutions grab their equipment, pile into their trucks, and head out into the snowy streets. This winter has seen a boom for businesses like Medellin Landscape Solutions as snow piles grow in Iowa. As of February 3rd, Iowa City has already seen 5.8 more inches of snow than during the entire winter last season. 
In Wednesday's print edition, the Daily Island's Amplify page returned with a look at the history of the Black Lives Matter movement in Iowa City. What started as a hashtag became a renewed call for racial justice and a movement that has not only shaped American history, but is currently being considered for a Nobel Peace Prize. In a town hall meeting this week, the University of Iowa's Reimagining Campus Safety Committee introduced three different prototypes for new campus safety models aimed to address disproportionate impacts on historically marginalized groups. On Wednesday, University of Iowa President Bruce Harold told a panel of state lawmakers that the public universities, including the UI, need added funding as operating during a pandemic has strained the institution's finances. Harold said the university has lost $83.4 million after federal support because of COVID-19. The UI announced on Thursday morning that Kevin Kriegel will become the UI's provost and executive vice president on February 15th if the Iowa Board of Regents approve him. Kriegel has been serving as an interim in the position since July 2020. The UI also announced the distribution of $9.5 million from the university's public-private partnership for its utility system and the office of the provost on Thursday morning. The funds are dedicated to student success and faculty retention initiatives on campus. And in a press conference on Thursday, Iowa Governor Kem Reynolds said the state of Iowa is currently working with Iowa counties and local health departments to address the state's slow vaccine distribution. Iowa currently ranks as one of the slowest states in vaccine distribution per capita. You can read all these stories and more in the Daily Iowans print editions on Mondays and Wednesdays or online anytime at dailyiowan.com. News reporter Sabina Martin, who covers higher education for the DI, wrote a story this week about Iowa Republican lawmakers proposing a bill that would phase out tenure at Iowa's three public universities for the third consecutive year. Welcome, Sabina. We're excited to have you back on the podcast. How's your week going? Thanks so much for having me. It's been busy, but it's been great. Good. It's always good to stay busy. But in this story, you talked about Senate File 41, which prohibits the establishment or any continuation of a tenure system. Can you tell us a little about who this impacts and how tenure works? Yeah, so this would basically impact um, faculty at the Regent University, so University of Iowa, Iowa State, and um, University of Northern Iowa. And so the AAUP, the American Association for University Professors, um, basically describes it as an indefinite appointment that can be determined only for cause under extraordinary circumstances. So it is a bit of job security for someone who goes through the um, levels to get it, but they still can be fired as faculty. Um, and so it's not total job security. But there is a there's different reviews that faculty have to go through to get tenure. So it's not just an automatic, it's not just an automatic thing that you can get as faculty. You have to work for it and show that you deserve it. Yeah, and you actually spoke with a few lawmakers about this legislation. So what did those lawmakers have to say about their support or their disagreement with this legislation? So I think that it's definitely divided between Democrat. Democrats and Republicans right now. Um, it was introduced by uh, Senator Brad Zont, who is a Republican in the House. And um, yeah, so I talked to Skylar Wheeler, um, who's a Republican from Orange City, and he said basically that um, they introduced it and he uh, they introduced it because of attacks on college campuses um, of students not being able to have things like um, religious clubs on campus that might support things that the university doesn't agree with. So it's things like that. It's more for the students on their side of things rather than the faculty. Um, and then I also talked to Rep. Mary Mas Masher, 
um, from Iowa City, who's a Democrat, and she opposes the bill very strongly. And she said that it would have a, a very chilling effect for the three public universities. Um, but along with them, there's also been people like the Board of Regents who have reached out and opposed the bill, uh, who think that it would have a really horrible financial impact on the universities. So there's a lot of different factors that play into it. A lot of them can be just opinion-based, but a lot of them can be factual, factually based as well. And obviously this piece of legislation, like you mentioned, impacts the University of Iowa, as well as Iowa State University and the University of Northern Iowa. What did representatives from those colleges have to say about this bill? Yeah, so actually today, um, the three presidents of all the universities, the region institutions um, out, uh, spoke about it. And they all said that they oppose it strongly. Um, they said that it would affect research a lot because it would just lessen the quality of it um, at the universities, as well as financially. Uh, I think there's a huge emphasis around just how if universities aren't drawing in high quality faculty, there won't be students or graduate students that wanna come to to the university. So it's kind of a circle, a full circle. And um, without tenure, there wouldn't be um, high quality faculty, which leads to bad research, which would lead to financial problems even further. So um, that's what they argued. Um, university of Iowa President Harold said that he opposes it strongly and he made just points surrounding that argument. Yeah, well, thanks for being on the podcast today, Sabina, and sharing your story with us and that little tidbit about Wednesday's events. Hopefully, we can have you back on sometime soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Next up, we have Mary Hartel, a DI News reporter who covers the diversity and culture beat. She wrote a story on Wednesday about President Joe Biden's proposed immigration plans that are set to reverse a host of Trump-era regulations. Welcome to the studio, Mary. We're delighted to have you back on today. How's your semester going so far? Thanks for having me. It feels good to be back. My semester is going well, pretty crazy. A lot of, a lot of stuff going on, but it's a lot of news. A lot of news. <laughs> And so your piece this week focused on the local impact of Biden's policy changes regarding immigration. What has President Biden already done in the realm of immigration policy? Yeah, so, and let me just preface this with, it was a little bit tricky to get this story out because it's constantly changing. He's been doing a lot of stuff that's kind of been building off of each other, but I wanna highlight just three key things that he has done so far, which is he recommitted to DACA um which is huge he also has been um rolling back a couple of different like trump era executive orders and he introduced the first day of his presidency uh the u.s citizenship act of 2021 which is supposed to basically modernize our immigration system and then actually just on tuesday i believe he introduced a, a whole new like um bill that's supposed to like kind of outline a path forward and building off of the u.s citizenship act of 2021 and some of these policies specifically target the policies of former president donald trump and his kind of era when it came to immigration how did the sources that you talked to locally feel about trump's policies and the changes that biden intends to make over his four years yeah, so most of the sources that I talked to locally, they were pretty um, enthusiastic about the changes um, and they were that the Biden administration has proposed to make. Um, 
everyone just across the board agreed that the system is broken. It's been gutted. The last four years have just been erotic almost. And so they're excited for having a little bit more continuity. Um, some of the specific policy changes that the Biden administration has been in the process of reversing um, include Trump's executive order known as like the zero tolerance policy and also um, the remain in Mexico policy, which essentially just separated immigrants and their families and made it really hard for people at the border trying to come into the US. So um, Biden's rescinded and um, put placed those uh, those different uh, orders under review and paused them. And another factor, um, so obviously that doesn't like relate so much to people in Iowa because we're not right at the border, but um, one of the sources I talked to said that um, Biden's proposals would eliminate wait times, which would just be huge in uh, keeping families together and wouldn't like prolong separation as much. Yeah, and you also were able to speak with a few representatives of the University of Iowa. How do these policy changes impact the university and its population? Yeah, so I talked to a couple different um, university officials. The first one was uh, Tabitha Wiggins, who is the director of the Center for Diversity, uh, or the CDE. And she essentially said that this, what uh, President Biden did by recommitting to DACA was good for University of Iowa students, because although we don't know the exact number, because the university uh, doesn't ask about the University of Iowa like doesn't ask about whether or not people are on DACA, but like there are University of Iowa students that have DACA and there are 2420 active DACA recipients um, living in Iowa right now. And then another thing that um, Biden's orders have done is they've reversed or they put an end to the Muslim ban, uh, which was uh, a travel ban on people coming from primarily Muslim countries. And um, so this, uh, I talked to Michael Borceller, who directs the International Student and Scholar, Scholar Services for the University of Iowa. And he said, well, like this might not directly affect students. It definitely is a step in the right direction because it creates a more welcoming, welcoming attitude and tone and could potentially help students whose family members were trying to visit them while they were studying here. Yeah, well, hopefully people can visit people eventually once COVID is all cleaned up and done. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week, Mary. We can't wait to read more of your stories in the coming weeks of the DI. Thanks for having me. Finally, Sarah Watson, the DI's executive editor, wrote a story on Monday about specific University of Iowa students rolling up their sleeves for the COVID-19 vaccination. Welcome back, Sarah. How's everything going? Good. Um, yeah, just like Sabina said, a little busy, but every, it's nice to get back into a routine. Yeah, definitely, as I was not prepared for school to start. but <laughs> And so you spoke with a few students who have already received their COVID-19 vaccinations, whether that's their first or their second dose. Who were the students that you spoke to and why were they eager to get their vaccinations? Yeah, so the University of Iowa Student Health started vaccinating students who are in medical clinics who are seeing patients face to face. Um, and so they did about 500 last week and they, they're doing 500 again, as at least they were planning on it the last time I talked to them here this week. And so a lot of the students that I talked with had stories about either caring for someone who had previously had COVID and was experiencing long-term symptoms, or they had experienced COVID with a family member or were um, 
there was one student who was working in a pediatric unit and a pediatric oncology unit. And um, he was a pharmacy student and just really kind of felt like a release when, at least he said, when he got the vaccine, because he knew that that was just one more step to keeping um, those patients that he's caring for safe. Um, and there was another student who had cared for someone who post COVID, um, she was rehabilitating and after having COVID had previously been a high functioning adult exercising five days a week. And then after several weeks after having COVID could still couldn't stand up to brush her teeth um, and had to seek help elsewhere, um, couldn't live on her own anymore. So it's, it just really underscored for her the importance of getting the vaccine, not only for herself, but for people around her. It's just one more tool in, in the arsenal of against COVID. And it's still pretty early on for the COVID vaccination plan, obviously, because the vaccines have just recently been approved for emergency use. So what's going on kind of statewide with vaccination rates and how is Iowa handling this mass vaccination plan? Yeah, so Iowa's vaccination rate, the University of Iowa has been touting themselves as one of the most efficient vaccinators in the state. Actually, today, they vaccinated 1,000 people in a single day and think that they can do up to 4,000 people a day as long as they have the vaccine doses. But there really just is a shortage of vaccines statewide and really nationwide. But especially in Iowa, we are second from the bottom for percentage of the state that's been vaccinated and um, for, for all 50 states. So that's really, um, that's not good to be down there so low. And um, really it's, um, so today we had a press conference with the UIHC CEO and he had said that, you know, initially in December and January when um, they were vaccinating they were preparing to vaccinate healthcare workers. He said he was concerned because he felt like there were vaccine doses coming to the state and they weren't getting into the hands of providers. But he, he said that a, part of the problem was that some other cities were not did not really prepare ahead of time for the vaccine. They just got the vaccine and were like, oh no, we've got to figure out it, like appointments and like scheduling people so that vaccine doesn't go to waste. Um, and he, he at least expressed that he felt like it was, they were on a little bit better footing now and we're able, at least statewide, we're able to um, get people vaccinated more quickly. Yeah, well, 4,000 people a day is quite the undertaking for vaccinations, but hopefully UIHC can handle that. And another challenge that is stopping the acceleration of the vaccine process is just the amount of students that the UI has at its College of Medicine, Dentistry, Nursing, and Pharmacy who are all waiting to be vaccinated by this program. So what are some of the other options for students who are in phase 1B who don't want to wait on the university to get their vaccinations? All the students who are yeah, waiting for their vaccine from the university are all medical students seeing face-to-face -face patients. And so they're in phase 1A. And um, that is still going on because there are so many healthcare professionals and students at the University of Iowa and in Johnson County, there's all of the UIHC workers, which um, most of which have been vaccinated and Mercy Iowa City is also a major healthcare network. And then all of the like 
the college students that are doing face-to-face -face appointments. So there were just a lot of people in phase 1A. And so now as we're transitioning to 1B, which is um, everybody over the age of 65, K-12 workers, first responders, um, now that we're getting, we're finally able to move past a little bit the healthcare, uh, the healthcare workers and moving into that phase 1B. Um, and that also includes like students who are in the College of Education who are doing like a field experience. But, um, but one issue is still, you know, there's still people who are trying to get the vaccine who are pharmacy and nursing students. Um, and I talked with a couple of uh, College of Medical College of Medicine students who are in their first year who were not seeing patients, just taking classes their first year. And there was a pharmacy, a Hy-Vee in Des Moines that was offering, hosted by Drake University, that was offering vaccines to anyone who was in a medical college and considered them part of phase 1A when the university in Johnson County, where there's so many healthcare workers, where they, they were not. So there was one person who has no connection to Des Moines, just drove two hours to this, uh, this um, Hy-Vee to get his first dose of the vaccine and then we'll have to drive again um, to get his second dose. But that is the, but students who are in phase 1B will have to, like so College of Education students will have to wait on more information from the university, but um, students beyond that are likely not going to see the vaccine until the summer or even early fall, depending on how the rest of the rollout goes. Yeah, and you also wrote a story on Wednesday for the paper about the UI starting a community vaccination program. What is that program about and who is entitled to get the vaccine through that program? Yeah, and we actually just published a, a story by Caleb McCullough about this program um, more in depth now that they, so like I said earlier, they vaccinated a thousand people today um, over the age of 65. Um, and let's see. So yeah, so that's, this is just like a, um, the UIHC is starting to open up the vaccine to um, people in phase 1B, so everybody over the age of 65. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today, Sarah. We look forward to having you back sometime this semester. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Follow the Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest COVID-19 related news. We'll be back next week with another edition of On the Record. Mm -hmm.